Welcome to Called, a podcast where we explore the intersection of ministry and the rest of our lives as church workers. I'm Bill Smoots. And I'm Sarah Bariza. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we talk about cutting out the BS and embracing the good in ministry. Between the two of us, we have ministered in churches for over 50 years, and we're still here. Mostly. Uh, I I have worked in Presbyterian churches primarily, uh, large, small, in between, uh, head of staff, associate pastor, uh, and most recently I've been doing intentional interims in UCC congregations. And I have been a church musician all over the denominational spectrum, mainline, evangelical, Catholic. Basically, if they hire organists, I have probably worked for them have organ, will travel. Yep. (laughs) That works. Today we're going to talk about uh, personal conflicts and scheduling conflicts that occur around weekends. Uh, Weekends when many of us are, you know, when many of the people around us are experiencing a couple of days off of work, uh, but church professionals are gearing up to lead Sunday worship and to do and be involved in all those other good church activities that happen on weekends because that's when church members and friends are available. We're going to do that, and we're also going to address our reads of the week. So kind of the big picture question of what we're talking about is time in relationship to ministry. And weekends, we kind of experience a a big tension in weekends because we, working in churches, are busy, but our friends, our family are around on weekends. And so it's it's like a fundamental tension of like, how do we live out our lives um, in relationship with people? knowing that our schedule is often different from the people around us. And how do we make sure we have enough rest to be, to be ourselves, to be productive, to, we could think even in terms of Sabbath rest. And is that an important paradigm for our work as church workers, given that no, we're not resting on Sundays. That's, that's not really how it works. That's right. That's right. It's our job to provide that spiritual experience for people. Uh, and you can't do that and rest mm-hmm. and, and even worship. Much yeah, that's at the a same tricky time, one also. At the same time. And, and it's, it's the people around us, not only do they have different schedules, but we're also probably expected to enter into those schedules. Mm-hmm. That's what They're different schedules in some way, yeah. Yeah, with, with a, a spouse or partner, with kids. Um, we need to be part of those things. And so how do we make it all work? Or, or how do we make better choices amongst difficult choices? Yeah. So let's talk about our how our weekends go and how they've gone in the past, because I think you and I both have had very different weekend schedules in the past. I have a kid. I used to not have a kid, so my weekends look different. And you used to have small children at home, and now you don't. So That's right. That's two, different, right. two different ways of doing the weekend. So, Bill, why don't you go first? How have your weekends gone in the past and now today? There, there's always been church expectations around weekends and not just Sunday. Uh, there have been judicatory meetings that for some reason oh my goodness, they think should happen on Saturday. A presbytery or an association or a conference. Church jargon is great. And, and, and <laughs> you know, they somehow want to meet on Saturdays because that's when lay members are available, even as the, the board of pensions or the judicatory itself will be uh, saying to the clergy, you need to uh, make sure you're getting rest and, and that you need to balance your life and have good work-life balance, but come to Saturday meetings. We expect you to be there. Mm. So, so there's, there's that frustration. There's the reality that a mission 
activity for a congregation, Saturday or even yeah, Sunday afternoon is a good time. Church cleanup day. Um, it's it's just a day. Weddings, mm-hmm. uh, Weddings are going to happen on Saturdays. Funerals, as we've talked, are happening more and more on weekends uh, because that's when people can make it when they're traveling from a distance. And I would even say that funerals are happening more and more on holiday weekends because Mm, that's when family will be on the move or be in town. And there's an Mm -hmm. expectation buried in that. That's the wrong word to use. But uh, there's an expectation inherent in that that the pastor – or and the the organist and other mm-hmm. folks that are going to be needed for a funeral for are We're just there, the or, or don't have mm-hmm. family in, or and, and and so weekends are are filled with all sorts of timepieces. The the change for me over time over the years has been. As you said, related to children. When when our children were younger, we have three boys. It was a very busy, active household, and particularly as they got into that's putting it mildly. Yeah. I think <laughs> it was it was pure chaos. Um, <laughs> as they got older, you know, grade school age, and began to be involved in soccer and baseball and football and other sports. We we did sports more than drama, those kind of things in our house. But then there were weekend times. And and for the most part, it was Saturdays. Mm -hmm. But occasionally that would creep into Sundays. And and we had to be clear with uh, ourselves. What were we going to allow? And and where were we going to say, here are our lines Mm -hmm. as a family? Um, I'm guessing you probably said no Sunday morning games? We were were in an era still... um, when we could say no to Sunday morning games. Uh-huh. And um, sometimes that schedule could be handled by the league. Oh, here we've got, uh, especially when I was coaching. And I said, I can do Sundays like after three. You, I, I you, think an interesting uh, side note on this is that I grew up in the Bible Belt and basically nothing happened on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings, at least in my orbit, um, because it was such a Christian heavy area of the world. And I think in many other places, um, Sporting groups are aware of like, oh, people also worship on Fridays and Saturdays, and it's not just about Sunday mornings. And um, so much as like I think, oh, yeah, of course all games should be on Saturday. I'm like, no, not actually all games should be on Saturday because Correct. other people worship Correct. on Saturdays. And, and, and I'm not so much concerned about when the games are mm-hmm. as as much as it just for 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 me as a Christian pastor, for, for us as mm-hmm. workers in Christian churches, mm-hmm. it just brings some challenges. It does, yeah. Um, and, and now that the boys are older and out of the house, um, the, our weekends can be looked at differently. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your weekends like now? There, there, there's certainly more flexibility as far as if the two of us want to go do something on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. We can we, go we can go do that. Or we're choosing to have a grandchild spend every Friday night with us Yay, and and do a movie and you know get up and go to breakfast mm-hmm. the next morning. Those kinds of things. Um and and uh, hopefully as there are more grandchildren we'll we'll do that with them or mm-hmm. just have multiples over. That means that you draw a boundary around your Saturdays, but not so much around like say Sunday afternoon after church. <laughs> I, I would love to say there are hard and fast rules. Um, oh, there but, are never. But there, but there just never rules. are. I, I really do try and boundary Saturday. And and you know, I'm a I'm a Saturday night sermon writer. That's just who I am. So I know I'm going to be doing that. But 
I, I try and keep the rest of Saturday clear, whether it's work around the house or just time together with Gina or um, all sort, you know, family that's in town, those kinds of things. I try and keep that open. And, and I love those uh, Sundays when, when I'm not preaching um, because then we can go to a movie Saturday night or something Ooh. like that. That's, that's really, that's <laughs> wow, about as exciting as right it there. gets in our house. <laughs> yes. Sorry. Yeah. I feel like the one component of what we're talking about is you can't really party on Saturday nights. I mean, I know that, that church, church leader partying crowd, but can't, can't well, party on Saturday night, are, especially if you work in a Catholic church. Like, oh my gosh, you're, you're working on you're, Saturday, you're working Saturday night. Well, and a lot of a lot of uh, Protestant churches mm-hmm. have Saturday night services as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. And, and I don't or, agree with Saturday you know, night as a useful 8 service time. Sunday morning, but but I've also realized that. It's okay to be home Saturday night, not because I need it for sermon writing, but just because I need to be rested. I need mm-hmm. to be it's high energy focused. on Sunday mornings. It is, it is, and and you can't be prepared for Saturday, Sunday morning well if you if you've been out until midnight mm-hmm. or or one yeah. o'clock, yeah. and that's often a struggle for congregants um, who want to have the pastor uh, and spouse over for dinner, yeah. on, and Saturday night is when it works for them. Or hey, we've got I tickets really to the for symphony. Friday night and we'd Sunday like, night. We'd like you mm-hmm. to join us. Well, it's Saturday night at eight o'clock. Uh, oh, no. So 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 there there are those struggles inherent yeah. in the schedule as well. One of the things that that I, I want to work into this conversation is is just some some basic thinking about time. And I'm guessing most people who work for a church have done this already, uh-huh, but I think it's yeah. good to say it out loud because I hadn't heard it until I was into my second or third year of seminary and a pastor who'd been out in the parish for 10 or 15 years said it. And and he shared with a group of us that, that time is both our blessing and our curse, that we have ultimate flexibility in many ways as church workers to to move our time around because there's not, you know, outside of uh, worship experiences, there aren't a lot of hard um, deadlines. But then we also have high expectations on our time from those we work with and those we serve, mm-hmm. that, that when uh, somebody is Actively dying or a crisis, yeah, you we need go. to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, when when there are three nights of meetings in a row uh, during the week, because that's when your volunteers can meet, and mm-hmm. and at least one of the meetings is an emergency that needs to be had. You go, mm-hmm. but it also means there's flexibility to be at a, a sporting event or a band concert or uh, see that play, uh, even if it's in the middle of the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm and, going to an opera at like lunchtime in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, and and I've had to learn to intentionally work the advantages of that schedule. Mm-hmm. If if you yeah. just kind of passively sit back and let it come or or, or respond with things as it happens. You're dead where you sit. And, and, but if you take the schedule and take, okay, I've got flexibility and time. This is how I'm going to use it. It could really be a useful gift. You know, that is how my weekends have been going more so in recent years than previously. And some of that is because my, my husband is a resident physician and he often, because he's at the low end of the totem pole, he often just gets a random weekday off. And mm. that's his quote unquote weekend day. Yes. Great. Yes. Um, but what that means is that, you know, I'll, you know, it's a random weekday and that's my day to spend time with him and we'll spend time together, go out for lunch, like our, uh, a weekday lunch date. We don't go out in the evenings. We go out at lunchtime and then he'll pick up our kid in the afternoon. And early, you have adult and conversation go, without a child. What? It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. It's great. I remember. So in the past, uh, like pre-kid days, I would spend Saturdays as like a family day, but I would usually spend about an hour or two at church in the morning on a Saturday. And that was my like, make sure everything is in place for the choir, get the music stands exactly in order. No one's going to disrupt it. The church has been cleaned. Just get really comfortable with the, with the liturgy. And, you know, sometimes that would be like when my husband was grocery shopping. <laughs> it was just a nice, okay, he goes in grocery shops, I go get things done, he picks me up, we go home, and we spend the rest of the day together. And then on Sunday afternoon, evening, after church, um, that would also be more family time or go see friends. We would often have people over for brunch, like late in the afternoon on Saturdays. Wow, this sounded really nice. I had a good life pre-kid. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, those you are, love your child. Just remember, <laughs> those are the days. Um, but you know, things are no no surprise. Really, really different now. One, I have made a conscious effort to learn how to get ready for everything on Fridays, and that has been a learning curve for me. And what I realized I need to do is just get to church really early on Sunday mornings, so I have everything ready to go on Friday afternoon. The church has already already been cleaned. That's That happens at Friday mornings where I work. So by Friday afternoon, I can get everything in place. It's all set. And I show up pretty early on Sunday mornings and run through everything and, you know, do my last, like, make sure my postlude is all, all set. Because no surprise, I don't have an organ at my house. Um, so I, I, I can't, can't be doing that on Saturday nights unless I want to come to church. So I have to, um, although I did just get a piano. Hooray. Uh, thank God. I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm anticipating the addition that you'll put on the back of the house for the organ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't told Brandon about that yet. <laughs> so, you know, that remodel we were planning on. <laughs> But I just Saturdays are my family days, and and then on Sundays, Sundays are really tricky because I am working on Sunday morning, and oftentimes my husband is working on Sunday morning. So I, um, if he's working on Sunday morning, I either hire a babysitter, and sometimes that happens to be a kid in the church. It's really nice, um, or a kid who can babysit my son and then take him to nursery once the church nursery is open. Or fortunately, my mom lives in town. And so oftentimes, Nico goes to a different church on Sunday mornings, goes with my mom, goes and gets good practice having good manners at a restaurant with grandparents. And, you know... That is good training. It is. And it's and it's great grandparent time. And I think, in a way, it's a really positive thing. So he, Nico regularly attends three different churches on Sunday mornings, <laughs> um, and sometimes two on the same morning. What a no. theological Some- model he'll have someday <laughs> to figure out. God is all here. Uh- <laughs> But for right now, as a as a little person who's who's not in uh, not in really in relationship with any of the children in the church, he's a little bit too young to have like really strong friendships at this point. I think it'll be very different in a few years. I asked Brandon how he feels about me working on weekends, and he immediately was like, "Oh, I love it. I love that your job is so flexible because he has an an impossibly inflexible job and works ridiculous hours, and most of the time my schedule can absorb his." craziness because I'm really flexible. And if I need to take a sick day because my kid has a fever, sure, fine, I can make it happen. And honestly, it hasn't been too much of a challenge with one kid to make sure I have childcare on the times outside of preschool where I really have to have it, like for choir rehearsals and church services. I've been really surprised at how well it has gone. I think one time a babysitter didn't show up and a church member was like, I'd love to hang with your kid for the next hour. you know. And that's like one time, which is really not bad. Brandon also told me that he loves 
that he gets to have dedicated one-on-one time on the weekends with Nico when, when Brandon isn't working. And so he gets to take Nico to church. He gets to worship with Nico. He uh, gets to point out uh, – Brandon will often go to a Episcopal church with Nico and be like, you know, Nico, this is the really important part. You know, they're consecrating the host at this point. This is really important. And really gets to have a very enriched worship experience with Nico. I well remember the Sunday when I was like, where is – where is Brandon? Did they did they not show up to church today? Because I didn't hear Nico all during the sermon. <laughs> and then it turned out this this was a year or two ago. Nico was pretty little. Brandon had been popping a Cheerio into Nico's mouth every time he opened it. <laughs> so you know, Cheerio is a gift from God yes, for all right? parents. <laughs> so like that's it's a really different way of being together in the weekend or being not together because sometimes Brandon works frequently Brandon works the whole weekend. But it's just saying, well, this is my this is my dedicated child time. I think one big component of this is that I Brandon and I have made the choice to have full-time childcare during the week. We don't have a nanny, but Nico goes to preschool and that's a full-time preschool. And I think that if we didn't have that, I would really dread having a Saturday and a Sunday where I also have to work and be fresh for a Sunday morning, like mentally fresh, and be doing full-time childcare at such a high level because we could have made the choice to do part-time childcare. You can do a full-time church job with part-time childcare just because so much of church stuff is outside of the like nine to five childcare window. Um, but we made a really conscious choice not to do that. And I think that I would be significantly less happy if we hadn't because it's just mm-hmm. it, mentally and physically because Brandon works so much, I would be a little bit crazy if I were solo parenting more than I do right now, which is a lot. <laughs> and if there are other children to come into your life in the future, oh, uh, you know, all that will have to everything. be renegotiated mm-hmm. and, yeah. and refigured out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tricky. Um, we we found that as as we ended up with three children that each edition, um, I joke, but it was not a simple ad. It was always exponential, but it did require us to renegotiate everything yeah. and yeah. and what and and that was our personal lives, uh, but also what a weekend looked like with the fact that you know I have Sunday responsibilities. Now, your family has generally attended the church that you have pastored, yeah. Yes, in 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 my time as called installed pastor, where where that was, you know, the the church I was serving, whether as an associate or I had a staff, the family has generally participated in the life of the church, and and so that's been a positive in in many ways. It, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a piece of family identity for us. Mm-hmm. Um, the if if I went up to church on Saturday, I used to have that Saturday routine. It was often time where I'd pick one of the boys, or oh, Gina yeah. would say, "Take that one before I kill him," uh. and, and and it would be good dad. <laughs> or sometime. if there's a church work event or a mission event on a Saturday, you can be like, "This is also our family volunteer time," and teach those important lessons mm-hmm. about what it is to serve others. And it means that your kids could be integrated into the social life at the church. Yes. yes. And and sometimes on Sundays I would be, we were we would have to divide and conquer. Uh, Gina would have one or two going off in one direction after church, and so mm-hmm. I would have one or two that were waiting for me to be done, so I would take them home. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and I remember a couple of instances particularly where our oldest got to go do a hospital visit with me because uh, yeah. somebody I'd learned on Sunday morning somebody was in the hospital. The hospital was between the church and home. 
So That's I was going to stop gonna by. Yeah. And, and there was one day I put Mark, our oldest, in the waiting room in front of the television that was on to some kid-friendly show and said, wait there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be yeah. back in five or 10 minutes. And I went to make my visit. Mark had the attention span of a gnat. Um, and, and I was just getting ready to pray with the person when suddenly there was Mark in the door of the hospital room. Oops. And so I said, well, Mark, why don't you come, come and in? pray with us? And so he prayed with us. Oh, and yeah. it was, it was a wonderful moment in, in some ways because he got to see what I do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. He yeah. got to understand faithfulness a little mm-hmm. bit more. And, and I think he's, as an adult now, sensitive in ways to those kinds of situations. I really that he wouldn't love have been that our families that. can be with us in certain parts of our job. Like I, um, on Sunday mornings, my son was not going to sit with me at the organ. Um, he's too little for that. But sometimes on a weekday event when we're having pretty casual singing time, he'll be sitting on my lap while I play the piano. And it's such a joy. Sometimes it's a, a frustration. But generally speaking, it's a huge positive and also a social, like not just for our relationship because we're able to be doing something wonderful together. We're able to make music together. But it's also, I think, a positive for the church environment because it brings a a familial comfort. Like, oh, we're a family doing this together. And here's Sarah with her family, but also like we are a church family kind of thing. It is a wonderful moment. It, mm-hmm. It's 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 kind yeah. of a, a holy community moment in some ways because it it says... We, and if I'm relaxed and comfortable with poles. my child and his noises and his his shenanigans, that means other people can be comfortable with their kids. That's right. And and I think particularly for church workers, they're the children of church workers are often the ones who are expected to be there. Whether you know, and that's not a formal expectation, yeah. that's just one of those informal expectations that that church members and friends often have. And so to make the children feel like they're a part of the event or or to be able to hold one on your lap. When when mm-hmm. I led singing long ago and far away as Sunday school started in my very first call, Mark would come sit on my lap mm-hmm. and and sing along with us. Yeah, it's a wonderful and, thing. And should I have done that for every child? Maybe, but this was my kid and mm-hmm. I well, thought that it, was a good... Well, some of it, some of it is with the, with the tiny age, they don't necessarily distinguish uh, locations and situations. So it's very hard to say, no, I'm not going to hold you right now when they're right next to you. Like that, that is really tricky. But, but what you're doing with this church for Nico, what I was trying to do then is model that, you know, good parenting Mm-hmm. Happens in a variety of ways, and faith everyone. development mm-hmm. takes parents, even even if they're church professionals, mm-hmm. being involved in the yeah. lives of their kids. Yeah, yeah. I would like to talk uh, about some of the, the the theological reasons or theological foundations around you know, how we approach time, and particularly on weekends. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like to talk about what are some best practices for how weekend time might be. We've been kind of sprinkling those mm-hmm. throughout our conversation, yeah. but I'm particularly interested in in what our uh, listeners might yeah. offer how do you in make the this, way how do you of make feedback. This work? Yeah, what what are their best practices, and and are there things that we can all learn uh, from one another? Mm-hmm. Uh, because even as long as as I've been at this and you've been at this, there's continually room for learning and improvement. Mm-hmm. And as our families 
shift in age and shape and size yeah, and all those yeah. things as our culture continues mm-hmm. to to shift there is new learning for us to do and new ways that we can always be doing this better i think mm-hmm. our email address is called podcast at gmail.com so if you want to give us some input we would love to hear it so let's talk a little bit about theological principles. And, and I've outlined a few that made sense to me. Uh, but again, I'm no academic theologian. And so, uh, they, they may not fly with everybody. I, I think that one of the principles, uh, that, that I is, is always a conversation when it comes to a church worker and Sundays is Sabbath participation versus service to others. And, and we're called to do both. Mm-hmm. And, and so how, where, where's that line? It's a movable line, but where does mm-hmm. it fall on any particular Sunday or any particular week or, or even year? Uh, the example I like to use is Christmas Eve worship for me. Mm-hmm. I, I grew up loving Christmas Eve, uh, late worship service, the 11 o'clock service, mm-hmm. almost beyond all other services yeah. throughout the year, and was so excited when I could lead that. Mm-hmm. But then what I realized after a year or two was that when I lead those kinds of services, it's not worshipful for me. No. And, and it took You're in me, high energy mode. I am. And, and it took me several years to realize that is no longer about me. Mm-hmm. My job yeah. is how do I make that a meaningful experience for others? Yeah. But I then have to find some way to have some kind of Christmassy, worshipful experience for me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, uh, that's a search every year. You know, back, back before, before I had my son, I would often attend worship somewhere else to be a layperson in the service. And I don't really do that as much anymore. Sometimes Nico and I will go to a service on a Saturday evening, but that's really rare because I'm exhausted and he's squirrely. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and and I would love to say, here's the perfect way to do that, oh, but but it's always is. a conflict. Yeah, but I, it's something uh, to keep in mind. Yes, yes. And, 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 and that call to service is is just as important. Um, you know, Jesus didn't say, go take care of yourself first, but... Uh, but Jesus that, also went and rested. Right, right. Well, he <laughs> he spent great amounts of time in rest or in prayer very intentionally mm-hmm. because he knew he needed to be fueled uh, physically. He knew he needed to be connected to God spiritually. Mm-hmm. So how do we as mm-hmm. church workers, church professionals... And he needed time with his close that? friend group. Yes, Yes. Um, the, our very first, uh, podcast episode was on the many calls that we experience, uh, in life. Call to particular church, call to be a spouse, call to be a parent. And I think that conversation is applicable in this situation as well. I think so. How, yeah. how do we, um, how do we met all those calls out? You can go back to that first podcast episode. Constantly always recalibrating. Hear how we did that. Yeah. yeah it, it's never ending. I think it's also important, or, or as I've gotten older or been doing this more, I found it's important for me to pay attention to the push and pull of the Holy Spirit, because sometimes the Spirit is is dragging me in a particular direction or shoving mm-hmm. me in another direction, because I'm not the, the most observant uh, tool in the shed sometimes uh, when it comes to the Spirit. And I need to pay attention to that. And and sometimes that is pushing me towards involvement in certain things, even on a weekend, or pulling me away from it, or mm, inviting yeah. me to include family in ways that I hadn't thought of doing. 
yeah. uh, and set limits. So I found that to be useful. One of the one of the places that I struggle theologically is what I understand as an expectation from Jesus, that as his disciples, we are constantly about the work of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. kingdom, beloved yeah. community, whatever yes. is the right metaphor for you. And we are to do that unceasingly. Mm-hmm. We don't have the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to take Tuesday off, or or I'm going to take Saturday off, or Sunday off, that, that our lives are to always be about that work. And I struggle then with, okay, if I'm about that on Sunday, shouldn't I be about that on Saturday? Oh, but it looks so different. Yeah? It, well, it, it, but it's, it's a constant internal to me, conversation. To me, loving my family is, is so much part of that. And loving my friends and, and frankly, loving myself and taking care of myself, which is not always the easiest thing to do. And I can say that now as, mm-hmm. as a more seasoned pastor. Early on in, in the time out of seminary, I couldn't divide that oh, out so well so and and uh, had to learn to make those choices often uh, through tough conversations with my wife or through seeing the disappointment in my children's eyes that, oh, I got to stop doing this or, or I need to think differently here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and I, I hope that that's, this this is a, another place that's changing as as we change culturally culturally as the church evolves as maybe it's okay to have this conversation more openly because I didn't feel that there was great freedom to to have this conversation. It's a big cultural shift, and some of it is cultures just shifting away from yeah. church in general. Yeah. But I hope those of us that are still connected within uh, the the Christian community within congregations are more intentional about having these conversations and saying there needs to be greater flexibility or or greater freedom. I'd also like to spend some time talking about best practices. I think you and I have have been sprinkling those throughout our conversation. Mm-hmm. But we've so should we do some a best, best practice recap? And we, then could, our listeners we can do best practice in? recap, and then yes, I would love to have the the listeners weigh yeah. in. Do you want to start? Or do you want me to start? Well, I think the underlying motivation is you've got to show up for yourself and for your family and for your friends, the people that you're in relationship with. Yes. And what that looks like in a given week is going to be different. What that And week to week can vary. It's okay if you have the the, th- the thing that happens once a year, um, but that's different from like every single weekend. Yes. Yes. And and I would say one of the things that I've realized over time as as I begin more intentionally to make choices for family and and for my children and my wife and being in relationship with them, now that they're young adults themselves having their own families, uh, it is fascinating to me the kinds of relationships I'm privileged to have with them, and I see the direct connections. Yes, if, if I hadn't paid attention then. I don't think I would have the privilege of the relationships I have now. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have earned the privilege of that relationship. Yes, yes, very much so. And and I'm grateful for that more than than words can express. Yeah. To to Good have those choice, relationships. Good well, choices. It, it's it's you know the reality is it's going to sound maudlin, but you know when I'm on my deathbed, it's not going to be church members lining around or standing out in the hall. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be those closest to me and mm-hmm. and those I've built relationships with. And we can't ignore those relationships. Mm-hmm. We've yeah. we've got to pay attention to those relationships. I think the other big takeaway from our conversation in terms of best practices is that 
our weekends can also, depending on our family and how our family is involved in the church, that can also be really great family time. Yes. I look forward to the day when my son is old enough to sit and turn pages for me because knowing his personality, he is going to love it. He's just not tall enough or old enough or or don't read music well enough yet. I mean, there is that. that, It's that kind of thing where I can just see like, oh, this is going to be high quality family time in three or four years. Yes. Yes. Really well. And, and as I was able to involve my boys in certain services. Uh, my youngest uh, was a percussion player, drummer in in uh, junior high and high school. And there's a, one service a year where I use the crash of a cymbal mm-hmm. as part of it. He looked forward to that service yeah. every year. And we would talk about it for weeks ahead of time. And he would practice, okay, what do you think about this kind of hit, mm-hmm. Dad? And mm-hmm. so we were able to share some of those pieces mm-hmm. as well. I think one one other takeaway, one best practice that we didn't talk about much, but that we should allude to, is that, hey, we have a lot of friends who are in our church orbit who have similar schedules as us. I, I have a lot of friends like that where, yeah, we can have lunch dates during the week. It doesn't have to be on Saturday because guess what? They're also a church worker, you know? Yes. And, and that's okay. And hopefully our church organizations, ideally, they would be having their meetings not at family times when our non-church work spouses or non-church work friends are around. Or it's incumbent upon us to say, no, I'm not going to go to this meeting because mm-hmm. this is family. So maybe that's another best practice. Know, what, no. know some good boundaries, and they're not always hard and fast. Sometimes we have to change things, but generally speaking, you need to know what your guiding principles are. I've even moved uh, monthly session meetings because there's been a school conflict. There was an yeah. award ceremony or there was a, a game that I felt it was important to be at or a, a, a regional track meet. Mm-hmm. And and most of the time I found when I say this is about one of my kids and I need to move this meeting, people go, oh, okay, great. Mm-hmm. We get that. Yeah, because I, I don't go to that well often, yeah. but, but when oh, I yeah, do, you wouldn't do that it's important. Time. So another another best practice I mentioned earlier but would like to highlight is what I think is the importance of church workers saying to members of the church on a regular basis, you know, Saturday night's a night I try and be in because I'm I want to have enough energy for Sunday morning because I want to be be as prepared as I can be to lead worship. I think when people hear that they go, "Oh, hadn't even thought of that." Mm, yeah, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't. I don't think people are malicious about it. No, or, no. I'm going to And it's fun to go and be part of it. But dang it, we all got to be up early the next morning mm-hmm. to be prepared to lead we do, worship. We do. And, and so we might go for a little bit but then need to go home or just say I stay in on Saturday nights, and and I think that's an important. Yeah, and that's okay. If that's what you need to do, that's what you need to, to do to try and establish. So let us hear from you. What are yeah. what are your best practices? Call we podcast are at gmail.com. And now, Sarah, what what have you been reading? What's what 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 can we talk about in our reads of this week? So recently, I read Mary Laura Philpott's "I Miss You When I Blink," and it's a collection of essays that together form a certain kind of memoir. And I think, one, it's an excellent collection from a literature perspective. She's a wonderful writer. Um, but for us as church workers, I'm sure I'm not the only person reading this who will see herself in the mirror uh, as Mary Laura describes herself as being a total overachiever, productive person, got to win at everything, even if the only competition is yourself. I it, it, Seriously, it was like looking into a mirror and being like, oh, that's me, just slightly exaggerated. <laughs> and... On one hand, it just felt good to be like, oh, I'm not the only kind of wacky, overachieving person. But also seeing how she, as 
a mature adult has dealt with that and like learned to learn to be more comfortable, learn to have quiet weekends, learn to not work all the time, and learn especially to find a sense of self-worth apart from what she creates. That to me is the important takeaway for people in church work. Um, many of us tie our self-worth to what we make. And then on one hand, like for me, that really impels me to make like, oh, I'm going to make this podcast. I'm going to I'm gonna work on this book. I'm going to create these cool things. Yeah, that's great. But my sense of self-worth is, you know, I'm a child of God. Like it doesn't matter if I make something or not make something. Like, yeah, that's satisfying. Yes, I should be doing that. But that's not my ultimate self-worth whatsoever. So I Miss You When I Blink by Mary Laura Philpot. I'll have a link in our show notes. I want to share a blog post that oh, I read. A blog post. One one of the one of the bloggers that I enjoy uh, reading it is the title of his blog is Yo Rocco uh, because is there an exclamation point. Uh, yes, there is Yo Rocco, <laughs> Yo Rocco exclamation, exclamation point. point. Yeah. His name is Rocky Supinger, and nice. he is an associate pastor at a large Presbyterian church in Chicago and blogs five days a week, and it's. It can be all over the place, it, and it can be three sentences long, and it can be five or six hundred words. And and recently he had uh, a blog post about um, the the latest confirmation class at this church. He was reading through the statements of faith because he's the the leader of the confirmation program there, and he he said what he was interested in was desire. Was there desire in these statements of faith that the, these class members had produced to, to be part of the church or, or to learn more about faith? Mm. And he said, he said, were those where he sensed some desire, he knew that there was the opportunity for uh, a faith relationship going forward, that, mm. that the church could continue to work with that young person as they explored what it meant to be a person of faith versus versus statements where there there wasn't much desire expressed where maybe i, I think sometimes confirmands or their families see confirmation as graduation from church mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. he said his his hope was always to be about working with confirmands to create that desire wow so yeah. so that the that there's a potential for a future faith conversation with that person. And I like that idea. Um, and, and I think that's important for confirmands, but it's important with anybody mm-hmm. in a church. How do you're we... you're fostering faith relationship. Foster mm-hmm. relationships. How do we help there be conversation that creates desire for further conversation, for further exploration mm-hmm. of what it means to be a disciple? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was what I wanted to share this So week. we'll put a link to that in our show notes, which are at calledpodcast.com. Just look for episode three and you can get the links to these. That's it for this week's installment of Called. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. You can find show notes at calledpodcast.com. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with your ministry buddies and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. It really does help people find the show, so it's not at the very bottom of the list when someone types in ministry. I'm Bill Smoots. And I'm Sarah Bariza. Until next time, let's cut out the BS and embrace the good. 